everybody, this is Andre and you are on the Marketing Innovation Podcast Show. Tuning in straight from Silicon Valley, today with us we have Jen Grant. Jen is the CEO of Appify, a very young startup, uh, as well as a marketing superhero, I would say. <laughs> Jen has a wealth of experience working with uh, as a CMO uh, and product marketing manager for smaller-sized companies and startups, as well as medium-sized companies and bigger corporate guys like Google, where she was a product marketing manager for a very long while. And um, today on the podcast, we will talk about uh, how brands, depending on their sizes, can use marketing in order effectively in order to scale, as well as the trends that Jen saw uh, over the last half a year uh, or so since we were in a, in a weird <laughs> situation globally, <laughs> as, yeah. well as, uh, as well as her transition from being a CMO to actually becoming a CEO and leading uh, an innovative brand in an, in an emerging market. So Jen, thanks a lot for tuning in. How are you? Um, tell us. <laughs> I'm doing great. I'm excited to uh, talk about marketing, talk about Appify, talk about becoming a CEO. I think uh, a lot of marketers out there wonder, you know, what happens after CMO and I'm happy to share. <laughs> awesome. So our public is formed, I would say, uh, not equally. We have more marketers than entrepreneurs and, CEO, uh, and CEOs, but we have a very good mix of both of them. So I think it's going to be equally interesting for everybody to hear your story as well as your insights. And I think maybe this would be a good place to start. Uh, where Wait. have you... Um, how did you get into marketing and what was your journey on this marketing path? Yeah, I think that's a, that's a great question. I'd say, you know, uh, coming out of school, I kind of messed around like many people, did lots of different things, wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. And what really struck home for me with marketing and the reason that I ended up going into marketing was that it was a combination of both crea- creativity, the sort of the coming up with ideas, brainstorming, uh, reaching people, communicating, all of that. And of course, when I was younger, I was very much into the arts and theater and whatnot. So it really served that part of who I am. Mm-hmm. And then on the flip side, there's such a, a lovely data-driven aspect around marketing that it isn't random. It, it's very much certainly in B2B marketing. You can run everything from a spreadsheet. It's, it's very sort of technology-driven. Uh, and that also kind of you know, spoke to the part of me that that likes things um, in spreadsheets and and process and and how do we you know pull this and get this to market? Uh, so really, that's where it started for me. And um, you know, I I did lots of different things, but the uh, my sort of first real uh, learning experience was as a product marketer at Google mm-hmm. way back when it was 2004. So it was right after Google's IPO, if you can imagine how long ago that was, uh, it was a much smaller company then and a very fun company to be a part of. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I learned a ton there. That was basically where I started. Mm -hmm. Awesome. So, um, well, it's not worthy. So let's go straight into this one with Google because I think that everybody thinks about marketing and innovation and Google. So, you know, like they are sort of like, whoa, the example. Tell us uh, what it was to be, uh, you know, like a manager leading a team with Google when the change was happening because as far as I, well, to be completely honest, I was, I don't remember that much in terms of marketing from that, uh, you know, from uh, that time, but I know that that was a time of change. So um, what was happening when you were there? Uh, What approach to marketing? How was everything going? 
Yeah, I, uh, this is a great question. I think the core thing at Google that product marketers really, that's certainly where I learned and kind of grew as a marketer and also just uh, one of the things that many of the product marketers coming out of Google certainly at that time are great at is positioning, is taking complex technology, sort of interesting things that engineers had built and being able to explain why someone would use them mm-hmm. and position them in the marketplace as something interesting. So, um, specifically the product that I worked on in the beginning was Google book search. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that one it was, it was an intensely wild ride because we had, uh, we announced that we were going to scan the libraries, all the books in the libraries. And we knew that publishers and authors wouldn't, would end up suing us. So it was, it was this, this wild marketing challenge of saying, how do you both work with publishers and authors and, and explain to them the, the deeply transformational uh, vision of mm-hmm. being able to search every book in a library um, while, at, while at the same time, in, including them in that vision and saying, this is, this is so that all books can be found. And um, it was very, very difficult. And I think the coming out of there, this sort of um, the importance of communicating simply and really grabbing people at the, the sort of very clear reason why they should be interested in a particular product. This, mm-hmm. In this case, it was like so big. But even in everyday you know, marketing, these are critical skills to have to be able to say, how do I reach that person who may not agree with me or may be against what I'm saying? And how do I reach them with something that makes them go, oh, oh, I get it. Mm-hmm. And in book search case, uh, you know, it took time. It took about six to nine months before we really consolidated around um, the clear story of being able to say, and, th- and this was sort of one of the uh, kind of amazing learning experiences for me, was to be able to come back and say, if you take 100% of the world books only about 15 to 20% of them are in the public domain, which means that anyone can read them. You could search them online. But also only about 10 to 15% of them are in print and for sale. Mm -hmm. The whole chunk of the majority of the books in the world, 60 to 70% of books, you can't buy them in a store and they are not in the public domain. They're in libraries. And so the idea that we would be able to bring books at the same level of web pages so that someone could search across not just the knowledge of the internet, but the knowledge of all books in libraries is in- intensely amazing. Mm-hmm. And we're, this isn't something where we're taking, you know, we're going into uh, Barnes and Nobles and pulling books off shelves and, you know, somehow you're going to do something bad to authors and publishers. This is much more about the 70% of books that no one really has access to unless they're inside a library walking down the halls and looking for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and that sort of core positioning was critical in helping people go, oh, that's what this is about. This mm-hmm. isn't about Google is trying to sell books or Google is trying to take something away from authors and readers. They're trying to help people find books. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it was a wild ride. I learned a ton. I think coming out of there, uh, there was a lot of PR, a lot of positioning, product marketing, writing, kind of being able to explain what it is that this thing was. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think I've benefited 
from that throughout my career, just that real great learning experience of how important positioning is. <laughs> mm-hmm, I see. So uh, were you, because what you s- just said now sounds like um, that stage when a, a brand or a startup tries to um, figure out the story behind their brand in yes. order to be stronger and bigger than just fulfilling a need. Uh, yes. Was this part of your learning that you found so uh, you know so interesting? And I'm just assuming at this point, but I, I'm pretty sure he was right that sort of uh, helped you fuel and deliver much better in your you know next yes. roles as well as a CEO now. Absolutely, yeah. I think you know taking that to the the next. So after Google, I went to lead marketing at Box, which was wild and fun. I work, got to work with Aaron Levy, who's just this charismatic, amazing person uh, and an amazing group of people. And uh, taking that positioning, if you take it to, and, and this really is, is what every entrepreneur and every marketer should really be thinking of, is we could have at Box just said, we make file sharing easy. Uh, yay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but what we focused on is how do we position ourselves against the, the competition, against what, uh, what people already know? And mm-hmm. so in the end, our positioning was uh, simple, secure sharing that IT and end users love and adopt. Mm-hmm. And, and the reason it's important is that it put us right in between. So we said, okay, Dropbox is very easy for users to use, but it is not secure. Mm-hmm. SharePoint is very difficult for users to use, but it's very secure and it has all that IT wants. And so what Box is, is that solution that allows for an easy to use experience, just like Dropbox, but is secure and it has all the tools that your IT group needs. And mm-hmm. so that positioning was from, as soon as we sort of solidified around that, it is still the positioning that, you know, underlying the core of what everything that Box talks about, it is still the positioning that is there today. There are different competitors. There are, di- you know, the different things. Uh, there's additional functionality on top of it. There's more that it does. But that very crystal clear, simple and secure mm-hmm. put us right in between these two competitors. And, um, you know, later I've met with, you know, folks who were in marketing at Dropbox and uh, who come back and say, man, you guys made it harder for us to launch our business product because there was such, we just kept repeating it in every opportunity we could. Dropbox is not secure, Box is secure. So in the end, they had to really jump over a couple of bumps to really get back the, yes, we're also secure. We can be for business. We can be for teams. Um, And it was because of our consistency in that positioning. And, And definitely that's, uh, from the learning, uh, from working on book search at Google and then taking that to box and the positioning there. And of course, you know, every company I go to now is stepping back and saying, okay, what is the positioning that, that is, you know, going to get us to the point where people go, aha, not only do I get what you do, mm-hmm. but I know where you fit. Mm-hmm. And were you always like from the very beginning, uh, involved so much in the strategy beat or did you have times when you were uh, wearing all sorts of hats, like also doing, uh, you know, Google ads or uh, mm-hmm. copywriting or, you know, <laughs> this yeah. often happens. Uh, yep. <laughs> how was, uh, no, I think that's absolutely right. I think, you know, in all the, in all of the companies I've been at, so Box and then uh, later at Looker, 
um, certainly the strategy and the thinking about the positioning, but I am a writer. So you all, you know, there are always moments where, uh, my husband even said it to me. He said, I don't know how long it'll be, but pretty soon you're going to rewrite the website. (laughs) And then I'll laugh and say, well, I shouldn't. Then he's sometimes he's right. I'll say, I'll just rewrite this page. Let me just fix this one. Um, but it's because I'm a writer. So there, there's a lot of, uh, you know, just, just recently, um, so at Appify, we actually changed the name of the company from Turbo Systems to Appify. So it was a really excited about the change. The name much more explains what we do. And uh, we were working on the launch and we're, again, I'm back at the small stage. I wrote the press release. So, you know, I'm running the company, but I also wrote the press, press release. <laughs> nice. <laughs> So um, we'll get to this transition bit in a in a in a very short moment. And guys, uh, tuning in, just so you know, we haven't planned, you know, how, like how the conversation <laughs> is going to go. So I don't know either what Jenny is going to say, and that's why I'm super <laughs> excited to hear. Uh, but uh, just um, to zoom in a bit on the strategy bit, and then uh, yes. because something that so we are a marketing agency and we have these conversations a lot with clients uh mm-hmm. some of them had the experience of working on a marketing strategy in the past or maybe more recently uh however others didn't have the chance either because they were pretty small and they didn't have an established marketing team or they didn't really thought that was something that they should prioritize and we we kind of try to push this idea that it's so important to have a strategy so that you know what to do on each channel um What's your process when you think about a strategy? So first of all, we mentioned the positioning, which is something that I think mm-hmm. you go from, and that's where you're starting. This is where you start, yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Super. So then uh, what's your thought process, or how do you approach yeah. uh, thinking of a marketing strategy, building it? Yes. No, I think that's an excellent uh, uh, point. Uh, so I've done it many different ways. I'll walk you through what I did just recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I will say that in in... In at least two other cases, I did bring on an agency to help through the thought process. I do think often that is very helpful. Certainly, um, when you're the CMO or the head of marketing and you need your CEO to be on board, very often an agency can help bring everyone together uh, around the marketing strategy so that you're you know, not constantly having to convince the CEO that your ideas are right. You have this lovely third party that is in there saying, yes, this is, this is the right thing to do. And we have the sort of gravitas of being an agency to, to get it across. In the, in the cases where I've done it kind of on my own, mm-hmm. uh, and, and Appify being one example of that, mm-hmm. is obviously starting from the positioning. So where do we fit in the market and um, you know, where do the competitors fit and, and, and how do we sort of secure that position in the middle? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the second thing um, I work on or I, or I want to have is messaging pillars. So at least three um, clear benefits mm-hmm. that we can both prove with the product and prove with how customers are using it are real and that resonate in our useful. They're interesting to the customer. So in the case of Appify, we came up with immediate because you can launch an app in days. Mm -hmm. So you get immediate results. And then we have proof points that are case studies. Uh, And then the second is powerful. So powerful is part of our positioning that you can create powerful apps, not just an Airtable app, which is a, you know, a form on top of a spreadsheet, which is lovely Mm -hmm. and useful. Uh, But we actually create powerful apps that integrate with SAP or Oracle or something like that. So that was Mm -hmm. our second pillar. And then our third pillar, we spent a lot of time thinking about because the other two were so obvious. Mm -hmm. And the third one we thought, well, what is our, 
what do we want to have happen in companies after they start using Appleify? And so we ended up with inspiring is that we want to inspire people to think differently and go, oh, I could do this. I could do that. I could do this. In the same way when um, Wix and Squarespace suddenly made it easy for anyone to make a website, Mm -hmm. we want to suddenly make it so easy to create an app that anyone in your company would go, oh man, we could create an app that would solve this problem and we would be way more efficient. Mm -hmm. And so that was our third pillar. And, And that's typically kind of the that's the foundation. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course you, you know, you've got your, your buyers. So these are the, and in the case of a small company, you probably have enough customers that you can kind of step back and say, ah, these customers are business owners. These customers are leading, uh, teams. They're sort of the middle manager type. And these are the things they care about. And once you have those, then you basically have your kit. So then you say, okay, now let's start talking about our channels. So mm-hmm. we have, you know, digital marketing, uh, content marketing. You know, what are all the different areas that we think will work? Mm-hmm. And you and you use that messaging as the backbone of mm-hmm. what what you would put out in all those different channels, whether it's long form content marketing or short form uh, digital ads. Mm-hmm. Got it. So the first, well, first of all, so you had the positioning, which fuels the three pillars, yes. like the value proposition yes. parts. And mm-hmm. then uh, from then onwards, you go into the sort of tactics, which would be exactly where do we yeah. implement this? Yeah, super, super. Yeah. We are on the same page. Super. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I think uh, thinking about your third value um, proposition pillar, I think that helped the sales team a lot as well, because yeah. um, basically you were making people feel like they were already using the app and feeling the benefits before they were actually using, right? Yeah. Yes. So yes, that's right. Communicating the vision. Very, very nice. Super. Yeah. Um, okay. So now let's talk about your transition from being a successful and recognized CMO to going into the CEO role. How did this happen and how did you take this yeah. decision? Yes. Yeah. So I was at uh, Looker for almost five years and we were acquired by Google. So I had sort of an interesting moment of saying, oh, I'm going back to the company that I was at before, (laughs) effectively. So, you know, 10 years later, do I go back to Google? Um, And it was a, it was a, brilliant outcome for Looker. It was absolutely the, the right deal to do. I think the, the technologies of the two company are very, very complimentary. And, uh, so from a, from a, should we have absolutely, that was a really strategic decision that was correct in being acquired by Google. Um, me personally, I had to step back and think, is this, am I going backwards? Is this what I want? Uh, and at the time, uh, I got, uh, any recruiter, will know when a company gets acquired that it's time to email everybody in that company and see if they're, if they're ready to go somewhere else. So I got a ton of emails around CMO this, CMO that. Uh, and I thought a lot about it and I thought, you know what? I have been there, done that on the CMO thing. I, I feel quite confident that I've done it enough. And what I really want to try next is that CEO position of running a company. Uh, and so the, the switch was just having the courage to answer those emails and say, thank you for thinking of me, but I'm only looking at CEO positions, which of course, you know, was like, oh my God, I just said that out loud, you know? (laughs) And then I started meeting with my network and, you know, people that I knew, and I would start to say it out loud. 
And it, you know, it's funny, you think that's such a simple thing, but it is actually, it is, it is a shift in how you're thinking. Like I'm saying it out loud and it starts to become real. And eventually I got introduced to a VC uh, for Appify. So Rajiv, who's the Mayfield VC, who's, who's on our board, met him, had a great conversation. He introduced me to Hari, who's the founder of Appify. We spent the next six months getting to know each other. So just, you know, how do we, do we agree on building culture? Do we agree on sort of core values? Do we think the same way around go-to-market strategies and um, how he's building the product and what this product could mean to people? Um, And at the end of the six months, it was super clear. He is an excellent partner. We are really, we work really, really well together. He is the sort of product and engineering uh, genius on his side. Like he is in love with the fact that he doesn't have to be CEO and focus on product engineering. And on my end, I have the experience on the go-to-market side to really build and grow a team. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. And so that's kind of, that was sort of the process of how it happened. I think what is interesting for the marketers that are your listeners is there are so many skills that a CEO needs to have that are a part of what it means to be a great marketer. Uh, and so there, you know, if you, if you think about, you know, someone might say, oh, you're just in marketing marketers that are never CEOs. It's always the head of sales or it's the head of product or so, you know, it's always product or sales. I, I would tend to disagree because, uh, the CEO's job is to get that positioning right mm-hmm. and to be the one out in front of the company sharing the story of how this company exists, why it's important, how it fits in the marketplace. And so that my, my CMO ability to basically create the mission and the values and the positioning has been critical in helping making me a strong CEO. And it is, you know, I can lean on that and say, okay, got this. I'm going to learn, you know, there's certainly other parts of it that I, that I'm learning over time Mm -hmm. that I haven't done before. Um, But as an example, one of the key jobs of a CEO is to raise money when you need to raise money. Mm -hmm. Well, part of raising money is telling the story of the company, which is absolutely whatever CMO knows how to do. Mm -hmm. So, you know, maybe I don't know the mechanics of, okay, now you're interested. Here's the data room. Here's the financing. Here's the, here's the deal terms. You know, these are the things that I'm learning. And of course I have people on my team and people who are, uh, you know, are the legal team and the finance team and whatnot are helping me. Mm-hmm. Um, but the critical component is telling a compelling story about why this company is amazing and why this person should invest. So, and that, and that's something we all know how to do. So I encourage every CMO to go down this path. (laughs) Nice. And uh, what are some of the challenges that you found? Because the role is very different. Uh, I know like, for example, uh, I can say from my personal story, which obviously is not so, uh, you know, established as yours, but I also made this shift when opening the agency and I felt there were a lot of areas that I had to learn very fast how to lead so that we become and eventually became successful. So how, what was the hardest for you? I'm really curious. Uh, or what did you find was yeah. unexpected maybe? Yeah, I think, you know, as, a, as I got started, well, one of the unexpected things, which I think everyone will 
get a little laugh of over is that as I start looking at the budget, I, it is a completely different way of looking at a budget. So when you're the head of marketing, you think about how many leads do I need to produce? How do I build and grow this team? Here are the goals of the company. Let me, you know, I need this many MQLs. And in order to do that, here are my channels and you can run the numbers back. And then you pitch the CFO and the CEO and say, I need more headcount, I need more budget, I'm running these programs, we need brand awareness, all of these things. When you're in the CEO seat, all of a sudden you're looking at the whole pie. So you're looking at, here's the cash on hand, here's the headcount we have, here's how many sales reps we have, here's the quota capacity. Can we even close the deals even if we gave marketing money? Do we even have the people to close the deals? Mm -hmm. And it becomes a much different conversation. And in fact, I've had moments where I've laughed and said, actually, I don't think I want to put more money in marketing. I need to hire more sales reps, which of course is, you know, as a CMO was always like, no, more <laughs> money in marketing. And now as CEO, yeah, actually, this, this is a case where I don't need to put more money in marketing because I need to get more SDRs and more AEs to really get on the sales floor based on the needs of the business. So that was sort of the unexpected surprise that, you know, I didn't just, yes, finally I get to, you know, give enough money to marketing to do the amazing <laughs> things they can do. Uh, so it becomes more balanced. You have to think about the whole picture and, um, and sort of the, the, you know, as, as a marketer, of course, you know how to build a budget, you know how to, you know, do all of those things. This is a budget that also has the bottom line of, and here's how much money we have in the bank. Mm -hmm. So there, there is a, it is a much more, a much, um, more important exercise uh, because it isn't just convincing people that you deserve the budget. It's no, you're literally in charge. So any mistake you make is your mistake. Mm -hmm. It's not, you know, oh, we didn't get enough budget. So we weren't able to get enough MQLs. It's, you know, we have this much cash and we are running the business in a reasonable way so that we know we can hire and we can put programs budget together and we can get enough revenue to get us to the point that we need to be. Mm -hmm. um, so I think. I've actually quite enjoyed that part of it, to be honest, because you know I like the data. I like, you know, running the spreadsheets and understanding all the levers. I was um, about but to it ask was, you. It was definitely uh, different. <laughs> but did you, did you feel you became more uh, sort of operations oriented in the process? Mm -hmm. Definitely, yeah. I think there are moments where, so for example, we we changed the name of the company, we created a new logo, and I think of it like my little candy moments where. Um, I ordered the swag for the team and it made me happy. <laughs> so it's like those little, those little moments of like the creativity, the, the parts of marketing that, that I do, I do love uh, where I get a little moment where I get to do a little bit of that. And then I go back to, you're correct. The more operational aspects of the role, which is, you know, you're watching the pipeline, you're watching, um, you know, we've hired these sales reps. Are they performing? Are we able to get to the revenue numbers? What's a reasonable revenue number for us to project? Mm -hmm. um, talking to the board, making sure they know everything that's going on so nothing comes at us as a surprise. You know, all of these different components of the business are, you know, not things that I've done before. So definitely more operational. Uh, but I do take my little moments where I, you know, order a little swag and have a little little bit of the marketing candy. <laughs> nice. 
Um, and uh, yeah, uh, I have a question which is not related to the strategy bit, but it's a curiosity. And we sometimes talk about uh, marketing tools and mar- martech uh, on the yeah. podcast. And I was curious now uh, for revenue tracking. Uh, do you use a tool that you find useful, or uh, and if you do, what do you like about it? Yeah, our our current tech stack at Appify is fairly new, meaning uh, we're we're small. So mm-hmm. we haven't, you know, in other companies, there've been lots of other uh, products we've put on top of it, but we're really simple right now. We have Salesforce, we have Marketo, although we're switching to HubSpot, which I'm looking forward to. I think that's going to be very interesting. Mm-hmm. And basically everything is coming out of those two systems. I think long-term, one of the things I miss from Looker is... Um, Looker is a BI tool. It is a data tool. And so we had amazing understanding of what was going on in the business mm-hmm. through all of the dashboards. So I had the most amazing marketing dashboard of all time, which has showed me all my channels, how things were converting, what, you know, what the team was predicting from an MQL standpoint, you know, actuals versus reality. And it just felt like we were so on top of everything because we could see everything that was going on and we knew that it was accurate. I think Today, we're small enough at Appify that we're just running off Salesforce and now will soon to be HubSpot. Um, and I don't know if I have such a tight view of, you know, what exactly is going on because it mm-hmm. is, you know, the, Salesforce does a lot of things well, but it mm-hmm. is a, a 20 plus year old piece of software. Uh, and so they're, they don't quite have the analytics that you need. You can't quite get it to do exactly what you want. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think, you know, at some point, we'll put something on top of it so we have a, a, a tighter view of what's really going on in the business. But mm-hmm. right now, that's what we're using. <laughs> awesome. And uh, go-to-market strategies. Uh, thank you for the, for the reply. Uh, if you do hear about something interesting that you really like, uh, I'd be super curious to, to hear your insight from a, you know, like from a fellow marketer <laughs> So <Right. laughs> with your marketing uh, hat on uh, for tracking you know, funnels and uh, having yeah. this view. Um, and now going to the um, market penetration and sort of go-to-market strategies uh, because mm-hmm. we lightly touched on it, but I know that you have a lot of uh, experience and insight into this. So yeah. um, what was the case with uh, Appify? Uh, from a go-to-market strategy right now, we're really focused on uh, two things. One is outbound SDRs. So what's interesting mm-hmm. about that is if you take uh, the two companies that I came from, so the two sort of go-to-market stories that I've been a part of. Box was very top of funnel. It was all about press and brand, the story, the everything we could do to make noise. Uh, and then we did have a freemium product. So that was our funnel was this open it super wide and get millions in here and then we'll convert them into business users. In Looker's case, they started with SDRs outbound uh, and really tightly looking at, okay, in the valley, tech companies all appreciate data. We're going to go to every VC website. We're going to call every portfolio company that they have, and we're going to try to sell to them. That was their first strategy for bringing uh, leads and opportunities in the company. It worked very well. Mm-hmm. It's not a long-term strategy because eventually you run out uh, and, and you don't want your business to be so much dependent on venture-backed tech in case venture back tech has a problem and the, you know, more of these companies go out of business, then, you know, you also have to deal with that fluctuation. So we did, of course, later start to grow, but marketing was brought in a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we brought in demand gen, started doing webinars and email and nurturing and, you know, all of that t- 
type of marketing. Um, after I think the two original SDRs had been there for at least a year and a half, uh, maybe two years. So it was an interesting kind of move into uh, how the go-to-market strategy worked. Mm-hmm. Uh, very SDR heavy. At Appify, we're focusing on a similar strategy of starting with SDR outbound, really beginning to have conversations to understand is our positioning working? Are the benefits real? What are the custo- what are the words customers use when they talk about their pain points? Uh, and then layer on top of that the marketing stack of digital marketing, content marketing uh, being the main two areas that we're focused on. I would say so SDRs is one piece of it. The other piece, which we're still uh, in the middle of executing against, is uh, the customer focused. So being able to customer stories getting customers on G2 Crowd, getting them to fill out reviews at Trust Radius. All I think uh, Gartner Peer Insights is another one of those. So that kind of virtual cycle of you get a bunch of customers deployed, they're happy with your product, you get them to fill out anything you can get them to fill out, you do a use case, you do a video, you get a quote, you have some sales material, and then that, that all turns around and then you have content marketing around Hey, look, we're on G2 Crowd and you know, we're rated top uh, customer service or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then you can use that in your digital marketing because it's such a nice proof point to mm-hmm. get people in. So I've seen that that we use to very good effect at Looker. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we're sort of building the capability to do that now at Appify. We're still a little small. You gotta have you gotta have at least 50 uh, uh, sort of reviews in order to start seeing some momentum from there, but having seen what it can do for the company, it's definitely a big uh, piece that we're focused on. Mm -hmm. Super. So um, that would be in the case, because when uh, we started, we said we're going to try to um, sort of look at marketing in different points. So for example, Mm -hmm. for bigger companies, for smaller companies, and maybe medium. So we spoke about Google where even though there was a big company, were they, right. organize, were they organizing projects so that they seemed to be like smaller businesses in a way? Did you, did you get that feeling? Yes. Yeah. Uh, at that time, Google organized around the product. Mm-hmm. So there was a product marketing person, a product manager, and then usually an engineering team behind it. And then if it was something that had BD or something, those people would be involved as well. But it was all organized either by a product or product category. So after I worked on book search for a while, I did move on to work on consumer apps. So Gmail, Calendar, Talk. At the time, there was Blogger, Picasa. There was all sorts of apps that Google was launching. And so that group of consumer apps was what my team focused on. Um, so it was like a smaller team within a larger company, mm-hmm. but again, the focus was much more on positioning, product marketing, landing pages. Um, Google was never much into uh, email. <laughs> they were always against email. Even if customers wanted a newsletter, they, they didn't want to send one, <laughs> <laughs> um, which is fine. Uh, and then of course we would do digital, you know, Google AdWords. Um, we sort of bought into the system mm-hmm. as a Google uh, product mm-hmm. uh, and we're able to com- compete in the, in, the, um, in the keyword buying process like any other company. So we did a little digital marketing too. But you kind of had a process that you needed to follow, which, which was kind of like the standard yeah. company culture. Exactly. 
Yeah, okay. And then um, later on, when you went into a more sort of like medium-sized business, how was mm-hmm. that change? What did you feel was different? Yeah, it, it's it's funny. It's hard to, to compare because Google is such a bizarro company. Um, <laughs> they have, you know, you can't email, you can't do all these things. It's all about, you know, their press and your positioning and a little bit of AdWords. Uh, and, you know, when I went to Box, well, it's everything. We need to create an entire stack of all of the channels. So what, what I've seen is in that middle stage, um, leaning into the channels that work. And typically, if your positioning is solid, if you've spent that time knowing who your customer is and knowing what their pain points are, mm-hmm. then your, your top three channels are likely going to be content marketing, creating some sort of educational material that is speaking to the buyer, uh, your digital marketing, which again is usually taking that content and getting it out there uh, and really focusing on those, you know, those key benefits that you're offering. Um, And, you know, just getting your website as optimized as possible. So once you bring people in, does your request demo button look shiny and people (laughs) click on it and then they fill out the form? Great. But most of the time you need to optimize to get it to a point where people are coming to your website and you can capture their information. So those are, those are the beginning. Um, one of the interesting things I've seen, however, and I'm sure all the marketers on the podcast will agree with this, but if you're not a marketer, uh, I have found that non-marketers, CEOs or CFOs typically say, just tell me the one channel that's going to convert and then I'll put all the money in that. <laughs> like, tell me the one ad that gets someone to sign up and then we'll put all our money in that. And, um, one of the lovely things about Looker was we had such a, a good grasp of the data that finally I felt like we could prove that there's never one thing mm-hmm. that every time I would say to my VB of demand gen, I would say, Oh, we had a great week last week. What did we do? She would say, well, we, sent out an email, we did a webinar, there was an event in this city, there was some press, and she'd go, it's all the things. It's, there's not one thing. It is all the things. And, and what that speaks to is activity is critically important. Just doing things. Now, there may be things that you end up doing that don't work at all, and that's fine. Stop doing that thing. But the majority of the activity that you do adds on to each other. And so it's not just uh, oh, well, we only do this one thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to do a lot of things to really continue to get that activity across the internet, across the press, you know, wherever you can get it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, looking at uh, Appify now and looking mm-hmm. at, you know, I mean, obviously I'm sure that you as well as everybody else felt a bit weird over the last couple of months and oh, yes. <laughs> probably have changed a lot. Probably it's even from your CEO position is probably a bit concerning as well because maybe companies are more strict with budgets now and they don't maybe yeah. want to purchase that easily. Um, right. So how are you uh, prioritizing your marketing tactics at the moment or maybe mar- yeah. uh, the alignment between marketing and sales because it's a B2B product. So how, yeah. how are you prioritizing really things today? Yeah, are looking at? yeah I, I think that's a great question. And I think, you know, like any 
I think every company sort of went through what what I call the March pause, where in March and a little bit of April, everyone just sort of stopped and went, what's going on? (laughs) What's happening? And in fact, many of our customers said, don't talk to me for three weeks. So we were in the middle of deployment. They said, hang on, I'm not going to do anything with you right now. And it was a little nerve wracking. And the same thing with our pipeline, like, hang on, I'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Um, once we were past the March pause, I think um, our strategy became really emphasizing those things that mattered in this new world. Um, because we are a lower cost solution, so we have this nice message to be able to say, look, you're paying for, uh, for example, we have some medium-sized, small-sized businesses that are paying for Salesforce. It is very expensive. And their bottom line is what they're looking at right now is, can we continue to afford this really heavy piece of customer you know, CRM software? Are there alternatives that I could build an app uh, on Appify to cover the majority of functionality that they need because they're not using all the functionality of Salesforce. Mm-hmm. It is, it's over-featured for that size of company. And so we did have com- uh, customers that we could tell that story to and they would go, oh, you mean I don't have to renew this license at $100 per user per month for my 40 field technicians who are helping customers in the field? Oh my goodness, I can just build an app with you guys and it's half the price. And we're like, yes, that's, that's the story. So where it changed our marketing was more in the messaging of really um, being aware of the circumstances of how people are looking at their businesses. Mm-hmm. So pushing the idea that we're more cost-effective and we can help them um, improve their bottom line by mm-hmm. saving them on the software that they buy today. Um, we did find a, a couple of interesting... Um, stories around customers that built PPE safety apps. So if they have someone who is going on to a site to um, maybe create a quote, so they're looking at a construction site, let's say uh, one of our customers, they lease cranes to construction sites. So they go out to the site and they take all the information that they need to say, okay, this is the quote. We can rent you this crane for this amount of time. And this is, this is how much it'll be. Well, in order to walk on the site in the middle of the pandemic, you need to think through, am I wearing my mask? Do I have gloves on? Sometimes you might need a hard hat. There could be all sorts of safety equipment that they need to wear. And so very quickly, they could create a little app with Appify that says, okay, it's just a little checklist. Have I done all the things to protect myself? Um, And in addition, it's somewhat, uh, the customer can use it as an audit to say, yes, and customer, our people that came on your site are protected. And they went through all of the things you needed them to go through. So it became, that became a really interesting use case that we could start talking about that, of course, we never would have thought of it before. It wasn't on people's minds. Mm -hmm. So much more of our change was in the messaging Mm -hmm. uh, than in any of the, you know, channels changing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I think maybe an insight from here could be that um, if, because uh, I'm sure that you had a clear strategy for communication before this whole change in uh, people's right. and everything. So um, a good advice maybe for companies that saw a change in the way that people maybe perceived certain problems or so would be to be flexible about uh, and conscious about uh, and aware 
about yes. how their potential customers uh, change their priorities and approach to different problems and maybe exactly. their messaging so that they are marketing in the moment and communicating in yeah. the moment. Right. Exactly. Yeah. What are the concerns and the thing and the sort of space that everyone's in and being able to recognize? Uh, one of the things I saw was uh, right after the you know March, April, May, um, some people switched up their messaging and some people forgot to turn off their automated campaigns. And so there would be really tone deaf emails that you would get that just didn't feel right. Like, Hey, you know, we'll give away a trip to Hawaii to, you know, c- come get a demo of our product. And you're like, no, <laughs> when, when, <laughs> when to go to Hawaii. <laughs> like, that's weird. You know, so, so it's, it's important to not be tone deaf and, you know, if people are scared and if they're figuring out how to, you know, save their business, you want to make sure that you're addressing where they're at and not kind of, where they were two months ago. <laughs> <laughs> true, true. Okay, so as we are getting close to the end of the episode, uh, typically what we try to do for the audience, but I think we did an amazing job at this over the, over the conversation, so thank you for that, is to try to sum up uh, you sure. know, some actionable points that people can take away and they can uh, implement straight away into their business. Uh, mm-hmm. I think we have way more than three. Uh, some of the which... <laughs> Say, which are the most important? Yes. <laughs> uh, so we have the positioning, which is something that is yes. very important for everybody and they should always be looking at that. Uh, mm-hmm. then uh, everything that comes from there with, you know, having the communications pillars and everything. Um, then we have this uh, thing that we just discussed now about, uh, which is the communicating in the moment and ensuring that mm-hmm. you as a marketer are present and are, that, you know, delivering to the people's needs. Um, yeah. What else would you say from the conversation was something that, you know, is very actionable and important for, for you as a leader? I would say focusing on customers. So really taking advantage of happy customers and feeding that into this sort of virtual cycle of feeling, filling out the reviews, getting more leads in, getting more happy customers, more advocacy. You know, that I think is really critical to think about. Even at an early stage, it's worth doing. Uh, and I think the other thing would be, you know, when you're getting pressure from your CEO or if you are the CEO or an entrepreneur, understanding that there is not one thing. There's not one ad. There's not one campaign. It is all of the things. It is a, it's what makes marketing so interesting is that it's not just ads and it's not just email and it's not just educational content. It's the website, it's optimization, it's PR, it's did you speak at an event? Are you in a webinar? Are you telling your story consistently? There's so many things in it. And all of those things together are what make your marketing successful. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Super. Thanks so much. And now looking at Appify, because we spoke about it, uh, and I'm sure that uh, amongst our listeners, uh, there are at sure. least some people that uh, could, be, could, could find this useful. So tell us yeah. a bit about who you guys think are the right customers or, or the, you know, like the customers yeah. that could use your, uh, your product most? Yes, I think, I think that's, that's important. So Appify makes it easy for anyone to build an app. I think I said that. And mm-hmm. it's very much like, you know, you used to actually have to have a developer to build a website and then you have Squarespace. Mm-hmm. So in our case, you used to have to have a developer to build a mobile app for your business and now you don't. So it's a platform that makes it very easy to do that. Uh, 
given who your listeners are, some of the the customers that we have today are doing things that are very innovative. One is it's a very large company that has created a lead capture app. So every single person in the company has this app on their cell phone. They're out to dinner with their family. If they see an opportunity for like, hey, this this company could really use our product, they can immediately enter that lead into their phone and then it goes into Salesforce. So that's one example. Uh, We also have plenty of um, sales teams that work out in the field. They're not they're not on the, you know, they maybe they're on the phone sometimes, but they're not just in the office. They go out in the field and they need that mobile app to be able to um, take information about the customers so they can build a great bid for the customer's business. Mm-hmm. So that's another sort of good use case. And then we have a lot of customers that are just in field service. So they are out in the field fixing uh, LASIK equipment or fixing uh, commercial food equipment in grocery stores. We have one customer that are uh, actually a number of customers that are doing that. And then we even have some that uh, the ATM machines that you see in a gas station or in any store, well, someone has to take care of them. Mm-hmm. So anytime you are out on the road, you need an app. And mm-hmm. many, many of these companies, they're still paper-based or they're using Excel or they're kind of scanning things and then emailing them. And it's very, very inefficient. And so where Appify really shines is for these ideas of people are out and about in the world, they're distributed, they're not in the office, and they need to to uh, perform a business process. Mm-hmm. And they don't want to do it on paper, or they would like to get away from paper, or they have some sort of janky Excel kind of thing that they're doing that just takes much longer than it needs to. So it's really about efficiently uh, solving some of these needs when people are on the road. Mm-hmm. Super. Awesome. And if people want to get in touch with you to find out more about it and maybe, you know, like book a demo, um, yeah. obviously we'll put the link of the, of the website in the description yes. below. So guys. <laughs> yes. So guys, yes. make sure to check it out. Um, and also can they get in touch with you directly on LinkedIn or what's the best way that they could maybe get in touch with you? For sure. Or- yeah. LinkedIn is the best place. So Jen Grant on LinkedIn, uh, I actually think it's, I actually think I own the Gen C grant on LinkedIn. So you you should be able to find me pretty quickly right there. Super, super. Okay. Jen, it was an amazing pleasure to have you uh, with us today and very good fun. Uh, I really really enjoyed it. Uh, Thanks a lot for all the insight and for all the input. Um, And I I don't know, keep rocking it because you are doing an amazing job. Uh, (laughs) Um, and uh, keep us posted with, that, with everything that you do. Uh, and guys, tuning in, if uh, you enjoyed today's episode and you'd like us to maybe try to organize a second session where we could go and, uh, you know, like zoom into a specific subject that you feel uh, would be valuable for you uh, over the next couple of months, then uh, let us know and we'll try to, uh, you know, organize uh, depending on Jen's availability as well um, so, so we can answer all your questions. Jen? Good thing. <laughs> Super <laughs> happy you're on board. Sweet. So then, uh, Jen, I'll let you crack on because I'm sure that you have a very busy afternoon ahead. <laughs> um, keep rocking it. We'll stay uh, tuned with you guys so we can see what uh, how the growth is going to be. I'm sure it's going to be a very, you know, <laughs> journey. <laughs> so no, no doubt about that. Um, and um, speak, uh, speak soon. Thanks a okay, lot. Okay, great. Great to meet you. Same. Have a nice one. Bye-bye. You too.